the number you have reached, 369, has been disconnected. Welcome to the Sluffer Podcast. I am your host Daniel Allen Nolan. Today we explore pranking as a youth, and making no apologies for the messes we made. So, that being said, let's do this. Nowadays, I believe we are referred to as hoarders and even given our own TV shows, but I often speculate that the severity of that stigma can be softened by a well-curated inventory of unique, resellable items versus that of a mouth-agape collection of useless, piled-up trash. Our crap, our rules. Anyways, as a kid, I used to love going to the dumps on the weekends with my grandfather. While he unloaded the back of his pickup of all the tree cuttings and odd-sized scraps of wood from the various home projects he had completed, I would climb the mountain of garbage looking for treasures. With large earth movers as the backdrop, pushing debris amongst the stench, and the seagulls screeching their collective disapproval, I would find gold, such as broken stereo amplifiers, old bike frames, a box of water-damaged Playboys and the such. This one time I found a giant whiskey bottle, one of those promotional items that liquor stores occasionally showcased on top of their refrigerators, prompting their customers to say, and throw that one in for good measure. This bottle I retrieved was about four feet tall and made of solid, thick amber glass. It even had proportionally sized paper labels glued to it on both sides. Although I can't recall the actual brand, I do remember it being quite detailed and relevant for the time. We brought it back home, and my grandfather cleverly made it into a lamp for my room. I was now a 10-year-old boy with a CD dive bar-themed bedroom. This happened to also include a few of those stained centerfolds I scored the weekend before, tacked up innocuously in between my Linda Ronstadt and Kiss Alive 2 posters. As an understatement, I would conclude my parents were quite liberal at the time, considering they allowed me to have hardened nipples, bare-breasted, pubic-haired brazen women pinned all over my walls generously illuminated by a warm, glowing moniker to excessive alcohol abuse. Needless to say, my friend's parents weren't as enthusiastic about my decor aesthetics, and shortly they were all banned from coming over to my house at all, especially sleepovers. Although, there was this one kid whose strict evangelical parents apparently didn't get the memo, and they allowed him to stay over one weekend, which ended up with him masturbating violently in his sleeping bag right next to me, while I, horrified, pretended to be asleep. I took down the centerfolds immediately after he left that next morning. God works in mysterious ways. Lesson learned. Loud and clear. Or maybe just loud enough. Speaking of loud, I also acquired a beat-up loudspeaker in one of my mini hunts. It actually ended up working just fine after I hooked it up to my stereo, which I also found at the dumps. I figured out that if you push down the pause button at the same time as the record and play buttons, you could attach a microphone to the tape deck and it acted as a makeshift PA system. So, that being said, my friend and I obtained 100 feet of speaker wire and mounted the loudspeaker I had found up in the tree above the sidewalk in front of my house. My bedroom window faced the street, so we had a direct line of sight on whoever was passing by and, as long as we kept crouched under the window, we were totally undetected 
and not suspect of whatever shit was about to happen. We plotted until it started getting dark, then we took action. It was just late enough where kids weren't out playing anymore, but adults would still walk their dog or take their evening stroll together. The amplifier was on full volume, and right as someone passed under the loudspeaker, my friend and I would make these frantic, angry squirrel sounds into the microphone. We would die with laughter rolling back and forth on my floor, gasping for breath after watching all these poor, startled people duck and scream, trying to avoid whatever the fuck it was coming after them in the tree above them. We had a few good years to learn how to be perfect assholes before we actually had to take some accountability as young adults. As we got older, the more advanced and intricate the pranking would become. Also, because of my pack rattiness, I had a much larger arsenal at my disposal to accomplish said fuckery. Just the usual, falling off my roof onto my lawn and pretending to be knocked unconscious, walking around with a bloody t-shirt with a broken broom handle sticking out of my stomach, throwing full-size paper mache children out in front of cars on the eve of Halloween, screaming, Look out! and throwing a handful of candy at their windshield when their car came to a screeching halt. That was a nice touch. I still have a box of cassette tapes filled with hours of crank phone calls that we made. I would say only 3% of them were actually successful. The other 97 are just a dial tone, a rotary phone dialing, infinite ringing, tittering, and us ultimately getting frustrated that they didn't pick up the phone. We eventually ended up just calling our classmates and pretending we were that one kid everyone thought was weird. That kid went on to be a venture capitalist and is now filthy rich. You're welcome. One of my favorite pranks we would pull was called Shink Awe. On Sundays, the local Rotary Club building would host bingo nights, and we would sneak behind the facility and turn off the power during the function. The sound the power switch handle made when it was pulled to the off position was shink, and then immediately after it went dark, all the people inside would say, Aww. Shink Awe. To this day, I still continue to carry with me, throughout every move, a shoebox filled with little trinkets and mementos from my teenage debauchery. Evidence of being an asshole, encompassing the many stages of that journey. Every so often, I let one of these escape back to the accessories of the crime. I simply photograph the item, then post it online, tagging those who were privy to it without any explanation. Because I am the keeper of secrets. I am a pack rat. Remember the time you flattened all the tires of the elderly woman's Volkswagen down the street because she stole your soccer ball when the little girl across the street snitched on you when your father walked Ipa down to her house and made you apologize and you never got your soccer ball back? What a cunt. Ride our bikes all over the place. 
and his parents, much older, Hungarian, very strict, uh, invited us to go camping in Calistoga. So we ended up driving in their little camper to Calistoga with our bikes. And when we got up there, I remember we were riding our bikes most of the day, and it just started to get dark, and we stopped. And we were parked in the middle of this huge field, like grassy field. And I remember going to the camper to get maybe a Dr. Pepper or something to drink, and I opened up the side door, and there in front of me was his short, older, Hungarian, half-naked mother with these big, pointy tits. And I just stood there frozen, and she just looked at me and covered herself and came over and shut the door on me. I never told my friend, uh, kind of held on to that for a while, and that finally came out in a piano piece. So not my proudest moment, but there it is. That's how that works. So no, and also the story before that, the one where my father drug me down the street to apologize to a woman whose tires I flattened, that kid was part of that whole scenario, too. He was the one kicking the ball up into her tree, pissing her off. And uh, that's how I got my soccer ball stolen. So there's that. My mother made me invisible. Being an only child, I was often left to my own devices to try and entertain myself. This sometimes ended up with a car ride to the hospital like the time I tripped and fell with a wooden flute in my mouth, puncturing a hole into my nasal cavity. But we can save that story for another time. If my mother was home, I would fight for her attention by poorly imitating work from work or reciting George Carlin bits I memorized from the comedy albums I wasn't supposed to be listening to at that age. This one day, my mother was on the phone and I was being needy, and I would not stop bothering her while she was trying to have a conversation with someone on the other end. She kept shushing me and giving me the stink aisle while mouthing, stop it. But I persisted. Finally, running out of patience, she asked the person to hold for one moment, covered the receiver with her palm and asked me, Do you want to learn how to become invisible? I bewilderedly nodded yes. She told me if I spun around three times counterclockwise and clapped my hands, I would turn invisible. So I did just as she explained and poof, I disappeared. I was invisible. My mother looked around in astonishment and asked no one in particular, where did he go? Did he go? Then, casually, she just went back to her phone conversation like nothing short of miraculous had happened. I just stood there laughing, amazed that I was now see-through. I waved my hand in front of her face. She didn't even flinch. I jumped at her and yelled, but she was completely unfazed. Holy shit, I was invisible. I picked up a pen that was lying on the table in front of her. She gasped and grabbed it from my hand, inspecting around her to see how that could have happened. I touched her shoulder and she jumped, looking around startled and asked out loud, what was that? I could not contain my laughter and continued with my invisible trickery. This went on for a little longer until my mother lost interest and focused more on her phone conversation than that of her transparent son. Eventually, she ended up just ignoring me for about 20 minutes while I continued to yell mom over and over. Panicked and defeated, 
I just stood there sobbing, saying I didn't want to be invisible anymore. That's when she said goodbye, hung up the phone, and yelled, Danny, where are you? Danny, hello? I was gasping for air at this point. The straw was snot running down my face when she calmly and inquisitively asked, I wonder if he knows that if he spins around the other way and claps his hands, he will come back. I frantically spin around and clap. Then, like magic, my mother looks at me and says, Danny, where have you been? I've been looking for you. I just stood there crying and shaking, mumbling incoherently about being invisible, trying to get your attention. I didn't know how to get back, etc., etc. She lit up a cigarette, took a drag, and blew it up into the air while picking up the phone again to make another phone call. Then she looked over at me and said, Dinner will be ready soon, honey. Don't go too far. One, two, three, four. Honey, 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 hold on. Thank you for listening to this Luffer podcast. Until next time, goodbye. I want to try and cure you, but you're a fucking disease. Honey, 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 hold on. I want to try and cure you, but you're a fucking disease.